Father, we thank you for the good word of God this morning. We open our hearts to you. Thank you for the grace of God, Lord, that we're going to spend all of eternity discovering the riches and the vastness of your great grace. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we've been talking about uh, the centrality of Jesus, laying him as the foundation of everything we are and everything that we do. We've been studying his teachings. And one of the things that Jesus taught, uh, we looked at truth, God is our Father. He also demonstrated this. He didn't just teach them, but he lived them. The Father's kingdom is accessible now. And then regeneration. So here's the definition of regeneration I gave you two weeks ago. A supernatural birth performed by God's Spirit, whereby we become brand new creations and are infused with His divine life. So whoever believes on Him should not perish but have everlasting life has a different meaning now all of a sudden. It's not just a sign you hold up in the, you know, in the end zone of the football game uh, for the TV cameras. It's divine life. If you believe and receive on Christ, you get life that you had not possessed before. Um, Annie, I'm sorry, but I just remembered. Uh, she came to me during greeting time and she was reminded of a, a word from Jennifer Bennett that she had for the staff, but she feels like it's for the church, and it really goes with what we're sharing this morning. Uh, the word was that what was once familiar to you will no longer be familiar. And so when she was quickened, when I was exhorting us uh, from the Spirit of the Lord that let the mirror of God's word be what you look to, not the mirror of the world or everybody else and what they want to say. Let God's word be the mirror that we're looking at. And that that which is familiar to us, the cycles of disappointment, uh, failure, and all those things will no longer be the familiar place. What will be familiar to us, this is the rest of the word, is who we are in Christ and being Christ one to another and living Christ. That's our new familiar. Amen? So as we get into this this morning, you kind of see uh, how it fits, knowing ourselves by the Spirit, not by the flesh. The life Christ is now living on earth has been placed inside you, and you've been placed in the life Christ is now living on earth. I know he's seated in heavenly places, but I also know scripture says that the mystery of the gospel is Christ is in you. All right, so the life that Christ is now living on earth is in you. It's in his body. And you got that because of the new birth. You know, a lot of people focus on salvation, and rightfully so. You know, we want people to get saved and born again and those things. But what if God's main focus wasn't salvation, but his real destiny for you is that you get conformed to the image of his son? And that the only hope you had, or even he had, of you looking like him was to put his son in you. Say He saved you and filled you with divine life, His life, so that you would look like Jesus. Romans 8, 29, we're all predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. The destiny is not just, man, I hope you get saved and when you're dead you can go to heaven. That's not living. The people here need to see who God is. His goal with the kingdom of God was colonizing and giving man dominion was going to colonize the earth with sons and daughters of his own kind. And as I said earlier, we are those 
who allow God to be visible because of the new birth. So let's look at John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus taught it. Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the realm of the Spirit. He can't enter the kingdom of God, the domain, the king's domain. You can't enter it except by the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Regeneration. The idea that you have a new identity in Christ, you're not who you used to be, is is Christ's teaching. This is what he taught. This is what uh, he lived and introduced to us. And this morning, I want to talk about how grace, the grace of God, relates to salvation. Because in a lot of Christian circles, grace is just some kind of doctrine that justified us. And that's partially true. Grace did justify you, but grace is way more than just a, a remedy for your sin and a place of justification that set you right before God. He's not just interested in you being saved, then beat up by the devil for 70 years and then go to heaven. He wants you to be able to live life victorious here. We're to reign in life, Romans 5, 17, through the one man, Jesus Christ. And the Lord knew the only way you're going to be conformed to his image is for him to put his life in you. That's the only way this is going to, this is going to happen. So salvation is a means to a greater end. That's why I keep giving you this stat. Look at this. Seven out of ten Americans claim to be Christians. But only 29% of those claim to be born again. And who knows how many of that 29% actually understand divine life. The life of God is inside them. And that he's given them a life to live that expresses who God is. So that, that answers a lot of our questions. Why does America look the way it looks? Why are we having the moral issues that we're having when 70% of us are supposedly Christian because we don't understand divine life. We don't understand God's greater purpose is that we look like him and that the only reason he introduced his son inside of you was so when people see you, they could see him. Boy, amen. Thank you, Lord. So I want to talk about the different roles of the grace of God this morning. You can write this down. First Peter 4.10 says to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Manifold grace of God. That word means many-sided. There's many roles that grace plays in your life. Justifying you, yes, is part of it. But empowering you is part of it as well. Grace has provided you a with God life. Amen. Uh, We could go home on that, couldn't we? I mean, everything, because of God's grace, everything you do on this planet, you do with Him. That's, that's the benefit of regeneration. And I invited Christ in when I was 13 years old. I'm 52 now, and thankfully, I look more like Jesus now than I did when I was 13. Right? Even though I had the fudge nuggets breakthrough early on. <laughs> and I'm like, where did that come from? He started changing my language. His whole purpose is transforming us. We looked at metamorpho, Romans 12, verse 2 last week. That's written to believers. The caterpillar becoming a mature butterfly that can not only touch the dimension of the earth, but touch the heavenly dimension too, bi-dimensional 
That's speaking of born-again believers. We undergo the process of transformation as children of God. And I, like I said, I look more like Him today than I did uh, when I was 13. And thank God He didn't give up on me. I've been able to walk and talk with Him and have a with God experience the whole time. Could you imagine if when I'm 13, I got saved and then, you know, I make a mistake. He leaps out of my body, goes back up to heaven and says, well, when you get it right, Steve, I'll come back. I can't get it right if I don't have you. I have no one to teach me. I don't know what a godly life looks like. So he said, all right, I'll commit myself to you. And I'll never leave you or forsake you. And once the Holy Spirit comes, he'll abide with you. Forever, Steve, through good, bad, ugly, you would give up on yourself. I won't give up on you. Grace has given us a with God life. He will not leave you or forsake you. And you've got to get over your self-based righteousness idea. That God is only with you when you do it right. That is self-centered and it's based on you. If it's based on Him, then His truth supersedes your feelings. His truth supersedes your behavior. There's truth that exists about you beyond what you think about yourself. He's determining truth, not you. Beyond what you think, feel, and believe. Let me say one more. Beyond how you behave, there's things that are true about you. Your behavior not, may not be determining what's true. You may be revealing you've believed a lie. Behavior reveals humans who've believed lies. Right? When they're into all kinds of foolishness and all that. That's not the truth about them. They're just deceived. So get over yourself and go to God for truth. And say, you know what, Lord, you know me. You know more about me than I know about myself. I did that FCA group five years ago at Harrah Middle School. There's about 83 kids in there. I opened with how many of you or who has the truest information about you? And they all said in unison, I'm not joking, they unifiedly said, we do. I said, I beg to differ. The one who has the most, the most true information about you is the one who made you. And it's a Christian gathering. So I said, how many of you know the Bible says God's numbered the hairs on your head? And they're like, yeah, it says that. I said, what number is number seven? What number is number 19? This is proof he knows more about you than you know about yourself. Humble yourself and start agreeing with God. Humble yourself and let the Word of God be the mirror you're looking at every day. I'm going to say it again. Let the Word of God be the mirror that you look at every day to determine who you really are. And do you think I've blown it over the course of these years? I've blown it many times. I would have quit on myself many times. But I always hear that inner knock. I'm with you. Grace has given you a with God life. Yeah, Emmanuel, God is with us. Isn't that powerful? We have to break free of feeling sorry for ourselves. Well, woe is me. You know, I blew it again. Well, that's why you have a teacher on the inside of you. When you got saved, even though, yeah, you got all of Christ, you didn't know how to live. He has to teach you the way, the truth, and the life. Amen, somebody? So we celebrate that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15.10. 
Amplified Bible. Let's talk about grace because grace is misunderstood in the body of Christ. But by the grace, the unmerited favor and blessing, the the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace towards me was not for nothing. It was not in vain, some translations say. In other words, it had fruit. Grace has effect. In fact, I worked harder than all the apostles, though it wasn't me working. The grace of God was with me. Everybody say, with me. Grace has given you a with God life. So saving grace is what we see here. I am what I am by the grace of God. Let's, let's name a few of them. I am righteous. I am forgiven. What else does Scripture say about you? I am loved. Overcomer. I'm a new creation. Oh, good, Dottie. I'm holy. I'm chosen. I'm healed. I'm blameless before God. All of that, grace, 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 grace. You didn't earn any of it. But you are who you are by the grace of God. Woo! But that grace does have effect. Okay? And laboring grace, empowering grace goes to work on the inside of you. The force of God's life has gone to work in you. How come I didn't quit after big pieces of stupid? Because the force of God's life and spirit and word is at work in me. He who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. Now, he won't choose for me. But boy, he influences my choices and my choosing mechanism. God is in me both to will and to do his Good pleasure. Okay, so yeah, you are who you are by the grace of God, but grace is at work in you. Grace is a person. It's the force of Christ at work in you. That's how you even know when you blow it not to go stay in the mud. He says, hey, you don't like mud. You used to. You like uh, green pastures and still waters because you're a sheep, not a pig. Come on, somebody. Amen. So you're righteous, you're forgiven, you're accepted in the beloved. If you don't, if you want to know all these, go to page three and four of the True You book. I dug them all out. I mean, not even all of them, but a bunch of them, probably 30 of them. Remember the Dennis, Dennis the Menace cartoon, right? They get invited to Mrs. Wilson's house, Dennis and his buddy. And they come out in the next frame. They got armloads of cookies. I mean, cookies are falling out of their arms. And, and, and Dennis's friend said, Dennis, what do you suppose we did to deserve all these cookies? And Dennis said, well, I don't think we got him because we're so good. I think we got him because she's so good. That's how you got saved. That's how you became righteous. That's how you're accepted and beloved. And that's how come you're loved unconditionally by God. Because he's that good. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. This will get you blessed and full of joy. Ephesians 1, Paul says, by the will of God to the saints at Ephesus... Grace to you and peace from God. You have peace from God, people. Grace from God is yours. God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I'm not trying to get blessed. I am blessed. I'm in Christ. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm living from the blessing. Verse 4, just that He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and without blame before Him in His love. 
Boy, isn't that powerful? Having predestined you uh, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It wasn't even, he wasn't kicking rocks doing it. Oh, man. I'll take Waylon. Okay, sure. Will. All right. Mark, maybe. No, the good pleasure of his will. He predestined all of them as sons. That was the plan. To the praise of the glory of His what? Of His grace. By which He made us what? Accepted in the Beloved. What comes after Beloved? Period. Period. Accepted in the Beloved. Verse 7. In Him we have redemption. We've been redeemed through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? How do we get blessed with every spiritual blessing? Grace. How do we get chosen? Grace. How are we without blame? Grace. Adopted as sons. Grace. Accepted in the beloved. Grace. Redeemed. Uh, grace. Forgiveness of sins. Grace. We are who we are by the grace of God. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart. So I need you to believe this in your heart, not just your head. I need you to cultivate this in your heart. This is who God says about me. Or this is uh, who God says I am. So saving grace gives you spiritual identity. It's your anchor. It's your stronghold. It's your stability through your shaky life performances. Because you do make mistakes. It's the foundation. After a big piece of stupid that God brings you back and says this is who you are. That's grace. And he says, Mary, I have good news for you. I know you feel, you feel bad. The enemy's beating your brains out about what you said or what you did. But I got good news. Guess what? On this seed. Guess what? Guess what about the seed that's in you? You can't corrupt it. <laughs> it's incorruptible, Ben. I know you blew it. But you can't corrupt the seed. Adam's seed did get corrupted. And he passed it on to all of us. So you had to get born out of the Adams family and get born into God's family. Amen. But this seed is incorruptible. When you stumble or partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil like you shouldn't, you don't lose your relationship with God. The seed cannot be killed. The seed is what keeps you on course. The seed is the GPS that's ever going off on the inside of you, course correcting you, course correcting you. You're not one and done. You have a with God life. By the grace of God, grace is way more than some dead doctrine that just justified you. And oh, I guess it's okay. God doesn't care how, how I behave or what I do. Oh, he does care and he cares from the inside. He protests every step of your self-destruction. If you're born again, he's protesting all of your waywardness. (laughs) Because grace is a person, Titus chapter 2 verse 11, that trains you how to live godly in the present age. Amen, somebody. Yeah. Amen. So let's go back then to 1 Corinthians 15.10 and look at that second part. The grace of God wasn't fruitless. It wasn't without effect. The grace of God is powerful. It's effectual. It's fruit bearing. How many of you know if a woman receives seed on the inside, she receives it, she consents and receives it, then there's evidence, there's seed and life in her. We call it, you're pregnant. There should be evidence. 
of a life-giving seed of Christ on the inside of us. Amen, somebody? That's why when I saw that stat, 7 out of 10 Americans, 70% of us are Jesus lovers, radical Jesus people. What's wrong with this country? Then I realized, oh, okay, well, only 29% of them even see new life inside. And how many of those even know that Christ is life at work in us? So it explains a lot. There should be evidence that life is growing on the inside of you. And don't let the enemy beat you up with it because you have a with God life. When you stumble, he's right there coaching you up, teaching you. So the grace of God wasn't in vain. Receiving the grace of God would be not allowing his life to have its natural, supernatural effect. So you get to participate. What am I saying about empowering grace? Because that's what's in part two of this verse. What am I saying? I'm saying this. Are you ready? Grace works in you. Grace is not opposed to works, people. He just said he labored more abundantly than all the apostles. That's a pretty good work. Grace is not opposed to works. It's opposed to earning. Grace is opposed to, I deserve that. You don't want to get what you deserve, okay? You don't want that. (laughs) Grace is not opposed to works. It's opposed to a mindset and attitude of earning or deservedness. And in the body of Christ, we need a proper understanding of grace that it's way more than just justification. And I'm not saying it's not justification. I'm just saying that's an incomplete definition. It's more than just something that justified you in God's eyes. Here's a... Where's my slide there? Why? I'm sorry. I saw it. Oh, there it is. I was looking for it all on the same slide. Dallas Willard says, Grace is God acting in you to accomplish what you can't on your own. How many of you think that, you know, if Paul wasn't born again, but he just went out to labor as all the apostles, he'd have done more than all of them? He'd be an idiot, wouldn't he? God, let me show you how it's done, buddy. I don't need you. I don't need your presence inside of me. I got this pretty figured out. We do that. And there's not a lot more harmful for you than all your successes after the flesh. That's a real thing where we succeed totally on our own. I remember one pastor over in Spencer and he's telling me the story how he just knew he's supposed to buy this land next door, this 10 acres. And so it took all the church's money and they bought that 10 acres and Man, the church went downhill. They started sinking fast. And everybody's leaving. We can't pay for the land. And none of this is working. And he went to God. He decided to pray about it. God, what went wrong? (laughs) This is what he heard. Are you ready? God said, I never told you to buy that land. So that wasn't a success after the flesh. That was a failure after the flesh. But sometimes we do things apart from him. And somehow get rewarded. But just be cautious, man. Everything you want to do, you want to do with Him. Include Him. Because you have to have grace to be a, a pastor. You have to be, have grace to be a husband. You need grace to be a mother. Are you kidding me? You need grace to parent in today's culture. Don't just go having babies without asking God. 
God, is it our time? Is there a grace on me? Is there power in me right now for this assignment to be a parent? Don't get married without asking God. Am I preaching good? (laughs) Yeah, hear His voice. Ask Him and then do what He says. You, I, I've been at this 25 years. That's just as the, it'll be 25 years in October, just as the lead pastor of grace. You better have great, you better be called if you're going to pastor a church. You, you need divine power. I've had people say, man, how do you do it for 25 years? Grace. I don't love you out of my own strength. I love you with his love. He loved me into loving and he forgave me into forgiving i've had to forgive some of you (laughs) and nobody better say ditto either right right back at you pastor don't say that no it's true we (laughs) it's true now i was telling some guys this week i've never intentionally hurt anybody I, i promise i I've never set out to hurt anyone. Have I mishandled people or said something that hurt their feelings or did something wrong? Yes. But never from my heart. So there's a graciousness that we have to have one for another. That's how we do it. You better have an assignment. You better not be mama called. You better be, you better be God called if you're going to do it. But there's, there's evidence in it. How about this one? This is from Dwayne Sheriff, my pastor. Grace is God's empowering presence that allows you to be what you could not be without Him and do what you could not do without Him. So it allows me to be who I can't be without Him. Righteous, a son, accepted in the beloved. I'm all those things because of Him, not because of me. I just consented and received it. And then secondly, I have grace to, to be a pastor. I have grace to be a husband. Grace to be a father. He empowers me to do things that I can't do well apart from Him. Amen. And then our beloved Don Wheeler, right over here in section 5, says, Grace is the force of Christ's righteousness at work in you. This has been proven in me over and over again. Not every stronghold is bad. Steve has a stronghold in him that no matter what happens after the flesh, no matter where he may fail or disappoint, he inside believes in his, he knows in his knower, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. When I was in Dallas this weekend, and thank you for your prayers, it exceeded my expectations. It was a wonderful time. And um, the Lord did something that's never happened to me in my life. He said, uh, Saturday after the three sessions were over, he said, Steve, thank you for sharing, even though you've stumbled and failed in your life. Thank you for being willing to get up and keep sharing what I've put in your heart to share, even though you know you're not perfect. That's what he said, even though you know you're not perfect. That's an encouragement, amen? Amen. How do I have the ability to get up and keep getting up even though I stumble? Because I know I didn't become righteous by what I did or didn't do. It was gifted to me. And I want to be a good steward of it. I want to be a steward of the manifold, many-sided grace of God. So I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to keep sharing. Even though uh, after the flesh, you know, no, I'm not perfect. But I thought that was pretty cool. He thanked me for that. 
Look at Hebrews chapter nine, uh, chapter two, verse nine. What what do we see, or what we do see, is Jesus, who for a little while was given position lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, he's now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. By God's grace, he died for us. Grace is not a doctrine. It wasn't some doctrine in his head, giving him power to die for the whole world something supernatural the 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 empowering presence of his father is what compelled him to go through with tasting death for all of us yeah he had an assignment to do it and grace saw to it now it is grace through faith so we participate but even the faith that you have is a gift from god Grace is a gift from God and so is faith. How do you know that? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Romans 10, 17. When the word is delivered to you, a rhema word, that's the word word in Romans 10, 17. Rhema is a relational word. When he speaks to your heart, there's faith in the word that he's speaking to you to execute it. His voice comes with faith in it. Well, then what do we do? How about you listen? How about you take time to receive what he's saying? And then grace and faith are performed in you. How about this one? Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law. You're under grace. You're not under the law of independent self-effort. That's what the law was, is you trying hard, independent of God, to get to God. Thank God that's over. We, we can never do enough. Clearly, if you're under grace... There's power to overcome sin. Grace is effectual. Grace is at work in you. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. This is Paul talking about the thorn in the flesh. Three times, Lord, take it from me. And Jesus said to Paul, this is Jesus speaking, it's in red. My grace is sufficient for you. And then what does he say? For what? Jesus just defined grace for you. My grace is sufficient for you for my My strength. Guess what the word strength is in the Greek? Dunamis. My power. My Holy Ghost power is sufficient. He's not telling Paul, it's okay, Paul, it doesn't matter what you do. Grace, just succumb to the thorn in the flesh. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if if you'll acknowledge you're weak against temptation apart from me, I'll be with you and I'll empower you. To do what I ask you to do. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So therefore, gladly I'll boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ, dunamis, may rest upon me. That's what Paul said. Boy, isn't that powerful? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. So it's the acknowledgement. We don't say, well, I'm just weak, so let me just, you know, commit sin. No, acknowledge that he's the strength to overcome. He overcomes sin and death by the power of his life, just like he did at the empty tomb. If you want to resist sin, absorb life. Receive life and include him. If you're facing temptation, include him. Lord, I thank you that greater are you that's in me than what's tempting me. Acknowledge you need Him. Man, come on. I'm saying that you don't beat sin with willpower. You don't beat sin with human won't power. 
The grace of God is powerful force. It's the force of Christ's righteousness at work and present in you. That's how you say no to sin. I love all these because like I said earlier, there's grace for your assignment. Whatever it is, he's going to equip you for his will in every area. You can't do it without him. Guess how many areas that is? All of them. So, Father, is it your will that we get married? Because I don't want to get married unless I have grace to be a husband. Father, is it your will that we go ahead and have a child because I want to have grace to be a parent in this current world? Amen, somebody? Grace is transforming. It's not just a positional stance of justification. Grace is powerful. It's not just legal documentation. That's why people who, there are people who are grace Pharisees. I mean, they worship like grace as a doctrine. If there's no evidence and life and power at work in you, then you're just demonstrating there's no power in doctrine. Christ is a, or sorry, grace is a person. Let me show it to you here. Titus 2.11. I mentioned it earlier. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Has appeared? What, what appeared? A, a doctrinal piece? Who appeared? Christ. Christ appeared. And then He went to teaching us how we can deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and live soberly and righteously in the present age. Grace is teaching us. Because grace is a force of Christ, His presence at work in you. When you got born again, you got the gift of... Well, okay, sorry. Romans six twenty three: The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God. The gift of God is life. The gift of God is His life. The gift of God is His life. When you got born again, you didn't get a Christmas ham. You got God. That is salvation. He is salvation. We've treated salvation as a separate commodity from the God life. No wonder seven out of ten say they're Christian, but we look just like the world because they have no power in them executing life and righteousness and blamelessness and love for our enemies. Amen. That is a good word. Verse 13, we're looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us. By grace He did that, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own people, zealous for good works. Amen, somebody. Zealous for good works. That's us. We're partnering with His life at regeneration because fruit is important to the Father. John 15, 8 when you bear much fruit, God's glorified. By this, my Father's glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my followers. So regeneration has evidence. Jesus likened the Spirit to wind. Can I get a witness? Wind has effect. Wind is an energy. It is a power. And so we're zealous for good works. Not to be saved, but because we are saved. And life is at work in us. 1 John 3.14 We know that we've passed from death, dead religion, into actual life, the very life of God, because we love each other. 
He who does not love his brother abides in death. Death there is just separation from, from God. I love, I know I give you a hard time, but I love our greeting time. I love the fact I have to tell you it's over. <laughs> right? Right? All right? That's the kind of church I want to be at. These people love each other. If you have a grace that doesn't empower you to love your brother, you don't have grace. If you don't have life that propels you and causes you, I mean, even wants to, I know you're not perfect at it all the time, but wants to love each other, I don't know what you got, but it wasn't him. One of the guys, uh, Brother Bruce Pruitt, I let a lot of the men share on Friday night. What have you seen here tonight? Because we gathered all the men that uh, were able to here in the sanctuary just to be in the Lord's presence together and answer his call to be the men of God he wants us to be. You know what Bruce said? He said, what sticks out to me? I, I see love. I see love. Isn't that a sign of a healthy church? And not it was all men, ladies. Men who love each other. Why do I say that? Because, well, I think sometimes the respect card is a little more how we men relate to each other. But that's a healthy church. The love of God. We pass from death to life. We can know this if we love each other well. If you have a salvation that doesn't include loving your brother, well, you didn't get life. Maybe you signed a card. I pray you didn't get religion. Religion's bondage. We can know that we pass from death into life because we love. Scott Kinnep, one of our worship leaders, he and Matt Bacon. Don't they do a good job, Scott and Matt? Yeah, they do. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Matt. Matt, raise your hand so I can see you over there. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking when I said, God knows the number hairs on your head you know <laughs> i'm just kidding I mean, he said it first <laughs> scott Kinnep, 25 years ago was sitting in his car now scott believed he was a christian and uh matter of fact he was listening to, to john MacArthur on the radio and he would listen to christian radio 25 years ago but john said something and he was arrested by the holy spirit in his car and what John MacArthur said that Scott heard was, you know, if there's no evidence that you're a born-again Christian, you're probably not one. <laughs> now, why? Because I just showed you out of 1 Corinthians 15.10, the grace of God has effect. I mean, there's a witness to it. There's evidence to it. Scott wilted. He's a quick crier anyway, but he... <laughs> And I, love, I am too, right, Scott? I'm in the same boat. I can't watch The Chosen without bawling my eyes out. So, <laughs> Real men are not afraid to cry. Amen, Sergeant? So he wilted in the car and he bawled. He's like, God, this man is right. I got no evidence at all that I'm born again. And he got saved. Life came into Scott in his car. 
divine life. That was 25 years ago, and now look what, look what the Lord has done. He's leading worship. He loves the Lord, loves Anita, loves his family and his kids, his grandkids well. That's the work of grace. Grace wasn't some decision uh, of justification in his car. Okay, I guess I'm okay. Good luck to me. I'll meet God when I'm, when I'm dead. I, I don't, you can know God now. I don't want you to get to heaven one day and be shocked at who he is. <laughs> you can know him here. But think about that. Matt, you guys can come. Scott, you guys can come. Think about that. If there's no evidence that you're a born-again Christian, you're probably not one. And let me add this too. Or maybe you've dulled your hearing. Maybe you've quit abiding. Not saying you're not born again. I think that if we're not bearing fruit and bearing evidence, I'm not asking you to get saved 25 times. But you do need to examine yourself. Am I abiding? Am I living the reality of my connection and my new creation? Am I abiding in the Spirit? Am I in the Word? Do I love the Word of God? Those are fair questions. Or maybe, as Hebrews 5.11 says, maybe you've dulled your hearing. And so we're not seeing the evidence of grace and faith in your life because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. I can tell in my own life, I want you to hear my heart here, I have had a strong desire to spend a lot less time on Twitter and things of the world uh, since January. Why? Because divine life is active on the inside of me. And what he said was, Steve, that stuff gets too much of your attention. You need to give me more of your attention, and I need you to just shift your priorities. Spend more time with the mirror of my word, my spirit. You know, sit with me. Don't just read the Bible. Sit with the author. Amen? Sit with the author in Scripture. Let him teach you. Um, and he said, so just spend less time. So I put it, you know, a little timer on my iPad there. I don't want you feeding on worldly stuff. And here's what he said. There's a divine activity at work in you. My life in you, Steve, bears witness to the concrete reality of regeneration. I want our lives as a church family to bear witness to the concrete reality of regenerative existence. And we will destroy, we'll change that stat. That one on the screen. That 7 out of 10 business. Can you imagine if 7 out of 10 Americans said, I am absolutely born again and I'm absolutely filled with the life of Jesus Christ and His life is at work in me? We'll, we'll transform at least the world we're in. And that's all we're responsible for. Let me influence the world that I'm in. But boy, how powerful would that be if churches... And it is, it's a little bit shocking that this message has to go to the body of Christ. Because out of that 70%, I'm sure a bunch of them are in church. But we have to stand up and say, you know what? I didn't get religion. I didn't get intellectual consent. I got life. The grace of God has made me who I am. And now the grace of God is empowering me to live divine life on this planet. I'm inhabited by God. I'm indwelt by Christ Himself. I am one in whom... God is visible. 
And so, man, as we humble ourselves, as we abide, as we receive, as we shift some priorities, will you stand with me? As we shift some some priorities, we'll see great fruit. Stacy asked a great question. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. And Stacy looked at me in the living room and said, How do we keep this from becoming our effort, Steve? How do we keep this from becoming our work? And it really is awareness. You didn't cause the life you've been given, but you do get to choose to dance with it. You get to choose to dance with it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. I'm, I'm encouraging you. I want you to shift your priorities. If you're not spending enough time in the mirror of the Word of God, I am begging you on behalf of Christ, turn off the TV or whatever it is that's stealing your time. The world system is designed to distract you. Have you figured that out yet? The world system is designed to distract you and waste your time. Two words. Friday night with the men in this room. Two, two different scriptures. Scott had Romans 13. I had Ephesians 5 to redeem time. The world system is trying to steal our time. But we've got to redeem it. And we've got to get into the good word of God. Walk by the Spirit and make, it a, make Him a priority. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I've never been born again. I want to get life. I want to get life. I don't want religion. I want divine life as God possesses it. I want to become a brand new person, a brand new creation. I want to begin this walk with God. If that's you, will you slip your hand up so we can pray for you and celebrate with you today? Anybody, I want to be born again. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, Father. Jolene, are you, are you worshiping? Or are you raising your hand? There? You're raising your hand. Thank you, sister. Anybody else? I want to be born again. I want life. Annie, will some of you, did Annie slip out? Peggy, some of you get with Jolene. Let's pray this prayer with her. Thank you, Gretchen. Let's pray this with her. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning to receive divine life. I don't want religion. I want life. A with God life. And so with all of my heart, I receive you. I am born again. I am a new creation. I am washed in the blood. And I'm a child of God. All because of you. Lord, I love you. I am yours. And you are mine. In Jesus' name.